In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey, everybody, as always, thanks for listening. We do have a lot of regular listeners out there, and we hear from you from time to time, and we really do appreciate that. If you are a regular listener or if you're listening for the first time, we hope you enjoy the program. I think you're going to especially enjoy this particular program that we have today. If you haven't left us a review, we'd really appreciate it if you would do that. There's actually a easy-to-use review button in the show notes. And as always, we want to say thanks to our sponsor, which is KnowledgeVine. KnowledgeVine is the leader in human performance improvement training and technologies. KnowledgeVine is committed to reducing the frequency and severity of workplace errors by helping organizations leverage technology to easily create a sustainable safety culture. KnowledgeVine is the evolution of human performance. Learn more at KnowledgeVine.com. Well, folks, I may be showing my age here, but you know, when I was a kid, I was a huge Charles Schultz Peanuts fan, Charlie Brown and Lucy and Snoopy. Some of you, if you were fans, you may remember that Snoopy was always going to write a novel. He always started it, but he never finished it. However, it always started the same way. It was a dark and stormy night. Well, it's the middle of the day here in Houston, Texas, the middle of the afternoon, actually. But I'm telling you, it has been a dark and stormy night here in Houston with some really tremendous thunderstorms and flooding. And I've been out on the highway and it's been quite a challenge. And that's a little bit ironic considering the show that we're going to do today because I have as my guest on the show, Kevin Alexander. Kevin, thanks for coming on the show today. Well, Russell, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm really glad that you're here because last month was the National Safety Council that designated last month as Distracted Driving Month. And we had actually tried to plan to get you on the show last month to talk about that. But as far as I'm concerned, it should be Distracted Driving Month every month. Kevin, you're with a company called American Eagle, which is a division of Bennett Motor Express. So you guys have quite a fleet of vehicles, don't you? Yeah, Russell. I'm the director of safety over at American Eagle, and American Eagle is a division of Bennett Motor Express. Bennett is based out of Madonna, Georgia. Under the Bennett family of companies, there's about 4,500 vehicles here at American Eagle. We're the oil and gas division of Bennett Motor Express, and we've got close to 700 vehicles here at American Eagle, and we service the oil and gas industry from Louisiana, Texas, Oklahoma. You know, we haul everything from oversized and overweight to hazardous materials. So anything to do with oil and gas, if it needs to be moved on the highway, you know, we can definitely do that. And in fact, I'm actually speaking to you right now. You're actually in Louisiana, right? I am. I am in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette, Louisiana, Cajun country. Okay. So I'm looking at a card here. I actually met one of your sales guys. They're the ones who introduced me to you. I met them at a SPE golf tournament at Kingwood in Houston. He gave me his card. Ironically enough, considering the subject we're going to talk about today, the address on his card says Raceland, Louisiana. Huh, interesting. Raceland's a little bit south of us, kind of in the home of Louisiana area. And when you talk oil and gas and you talk oil and gas in Louisiana, from Lafayette, Louisiana, all the way down to Fouchon 
in Grand Isle, Louisiana is kind of the oil and gas quarter. A lot of the service companies, a lot of operations, some manufacturing, and race lands kind of smack dab in the middle. We have about 45, 50 terminals throughout Louisiana and Texas, and Raceland is one of them. Not sure why that one was on his card, but, but yes. <laughs> so is oil and gas your background? Tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, it isn't. I've been here at American Eagle um, as director of safety for a little over a year and a half. I you know, cut my teeth at a company that few people are familiar with, UPS. I was at UPS yeah, for 17 years. we've never years. heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, UPS knows a little bit about fleets and driving, don't they? They do. They do. I was there for 17 years, 11 years in management. was not on the safety side of things at UPS. I was in operations management. I was in operations management on the ground side and then on the air side as well. Dealt with the airplanes as well. So, you know, loaded trucks. We also loaded airplanes as well. 17 years there, 11 years in management. It's kind of crazy. I'll tell you this. It's the most efficient place on earth. I worked a lot of hours, you know, Wife wanted me to leave. So, you know, I kind of stepped aside, did some real estate stuff for a little while, and then ended up back in the transportation business at a chemical tanker company, John and John, based out of Crowley, Louisiana. We'd pick up chemicals at chemical manufacturing plants and deliver chemicals to manufacturing plants. I was director of safety and HR there for about 10 years. And then again, ended up here at American Eagle about a year and a half ago. Wow. Well, so you've Got a lot of experience in this area that we want to talk about today, distracted driving or safe driving or, you know, I don't know what we'll entitle the show, but that's what I wanted to talk to you about is let's talk about safe driving. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's crazy out there. The driving behaviors of everyone that's out there, quite frankly, it's absolutely insane. Whether you're, you've got a teenage driver or maybe you manage a commercial fleet, either way, you're trying to get from A to B. And you, you don't want to touch anything, right? So it's changed so much and it's gotten so crazy. And, you know, there's really nothing we can do to change it. It is what it is, the craziness of the roads. The only thing we can do is kind of adapt and get a good understanding of, you know what, what's really going on. You almost have to drive today really based on frequency and percentages, trying to stay in your lane, not hitting what's in front of you. There's a movie I think some people might be familiar with called Moneyball. And it was the Oakland A's baseball team. I think it was in the 80s, either the 80s or the early 90s. And they basically built the team based on on base percentage by players. They didn't care how many home runs you hit, what your batting average was. They built the team just based on on base percentage. And I think they had like a $20 million payroll, ended up in the World Series against the Yankees, who had a $100 million payroll. It's kind of the same thing today. When you're out on the road, you want to limit the chances that you have from getting into an accident. And we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit here today. You know, one of the things, you know, we have a long day at work. You know, you go back to your vehicle, whether it's a car or a pickup truck. And gosh, what a day, man. You know, it's crazy. And we get into the vehicles today that are, you know, newer vehicles have a lot of amenities. They're nice. They're comfortable. They've got all these bells and whistles and we get behind the wheel and we treat it like we're on the couch with a remote control. You just got home, you're sitting on the couch, you got the remote control, you want to watch a little TV, kind of relaxed. And that's kind of sometimes how we are when we get behind the wheel of a vehicle. And, you know, every time we get behind the wheel, our life can change. 
and it can change dramatically. And we take it for granted and we come pretty, we get pretty complacent with it. You know, I can get in the vehicle with my wife and kids in the back and, you know, we're just going to run down the street and, you know, maybe go grab something to eat or you go into the grocery store and I'm coming through an intersection and, you know, I'm talking to the wife and everybody's talking and I'm not paying much of attention. I come up to an intersection, my light's green, but that's all I'm paying attention to. I got a green light. I know I can go. And I go through the intersection and a a car comes from the right side, runs a red light, T-bones, T-bones a vehicle. You know, there's a fatality now. My wife has passed away. There's a fatality. My kids in the back have become severely injured. You know, it's not my fault. I had a green light. But should I have been maybe paying a little bit more attention to other things around me? You know, the traffic that was coming from the right side. I'm going through an intersection. Don't take it for granted that just because I have the green light, everything's going to be okay. My life has changed, right? My wife has passed away from the accident. My kids are, you know, severely injured. Maybe they're going to be in wheelchairs. And, you know, did I do my part? Was I paying enough attention? It sounds like a horrible, gruesome story, but man, it's around every corner, you know, when we get out on the roads. I think about that, of course, because I drive in Houston a lot. I'm dependent upon the traffic reports, you know, where accidents are and what I need to do to go around them and all that sort of thing. And I, right. I can't help but think, you know, every once in a while you get the traffic report and it says, you know, fatality accident at, you know, this particular intersection. And usually it's like in the mornings and I can't help but think to myself, you know, more than likely this guy got up like, or this woman got up like they did every morning, you know, they got ready for work and they're headed to the office. And just like you said, in just an instance, everything's tragically changed. Everybody's in a hurry. You know, they're going to drop their kids off at baseball practice or their daughter off at dance and they're in a rush. They're trying to get to work and they left a little bit late. Some cases might be somebody running from the police, right? You just never know. You've got to expect the unexpected. You know, a different type of scenario is, okay, I go out to dinner with my wife and we go to a you know real nice steak restaurant and I have a, a couple glasses of wine early on before the meal gets there. And, you know, the meal comes, you know, you eat a big steak and a potato and, you know, you don't have any more alcohol eat a big meal, eat dessert. And then, you know, an hour and a half, two hours later, you know, we're leaving the restaurant and, you know, this podcast originates out of Houston. Let's say we're in the Richmond or Westheimer, Westheimer area. And I'm in the car with my wife and speed limits, 25 miles an hour. I'm doing 20 miles an hour. We're in a downtown area. Well, you know, there's a couple of gentlemen on the side of the road right there on the street curb outside of, you know, like a bar and grill type establishment. And they're cutting up, man. It's a a bachelor party. You know, so-and-so is getting married in three weeks and they're pushing each other, cutting up. And one of the guys steps on the curb and falls in the street right in front of my vehicle as I happen to be passing by. You know, I'm completely okay, but you know what? I had a couple of drinks earlier and they fall in front of my vehicle. They hit my vehicle, they hit their head. And then now we have another fatality. You know, the person that fell in the street in front of my vehicle is dead. Well, there's a fatality. Police are probably going to be drawing blood from me, you know, and if I'm just over the legal limit, now what? You know, am I facing vehicular homicide charges? Am I looking at 10 to 20 years in prison? Obviously, a mountain full of legal bills. 
Absolutely. Yeah. We just went to dinner. I just had a couple glasses of wine before dinner, you know, two hours ago. And again, that's how life can change behind the wheel. So what do you do to keep that from happening? So there's nothing you can do as far as changing it. You know, that car cuts you off today. Guess what? It's going to cut you off a couple times tomorrow. The key is to understand what's going on. And, and, you know, as challenging as it is, we have to understand everything that's going on. There's two simple rules, whether you're teaching a teenage driver or, you know, if you manage a fleet of personnel that drives maybe company pickup trucks or maybe you manage an 18-wheeler fleet. At the end of the day, there's two simple things. Don't hit what's in front of you and stay in your lane. And it sounds so juvenile and basic, but it's so true. If you stay in your lane and don't hit what's in front of you, now you can't run red lights and you can't run stop signs, but when would you ever be blamed for an accident? You know, and the majority of people, large majority of people simply follow too close. And, you know, what we really mean by following too close is, you know, you talk about certain speeds and certain feet and count to 10 and all this other stuff. Bottom line is, is if the vehicle in front of you that you're following, if they slam on their brakes for no good reason, they just slam on their brakes. Can you simply slow down and stop without hitting them? That's the question you have to ask yourself each and every day when you're following a vehicle. As far as staying in your lane, you know, yeah, you got to change lanes. You do. But limit your lane changes, right? You know, if you're managing, say, again, a tractor trailer fleet and you've got drivers that go across country, you know, if they change lanes, you know, two or 300 times a day, you know, what if they only change lanes 100 times a day? When you change lanes, people usually change lanes because they're trying to pass up what's in front of them. They're trying to hurry. Well, usually, you know, there's stuff in front of you. People are following so close and it's like, why? There's something in front of you. Where are you going to go? And there's usually stuff in front of it, right? There's other cars that are in front of that car. There's really no place to go. It's when you're driving, you know, you see it all the time when you're driving in the city and there's this car that changes lanes and cuts you off and then cuts off another car and hurries up. And then, you know, they're passing everybody up. And then, you know, 30 seconds later, they're at a red light. And you pull up next to them, and now you're actually five feet in front of them, sitting at a red light, right? So, you know, when you change lanes, make it count. You know, absolutely. 18-wheelers, I tell guys this all the time on the interstate. You know, when you're making a lane change, make sure you're getting something out of it, especially when you're going through, you know, big metropolitan areas like Houston, like in Atlanta. Even a local commuter, let's say in the Houston area, commuting on 610, you know, getting whatever lane you need to get into to be prepared to take whatever exit you're going to be taking. But once you get in that lane, just relax, right? If the cars in front of you are doing 55 miles an hour, just do 55 miles an hour. Keep that safe following distance. Everybody's in the other lane, you know, 60, 65, and everybody's switching lanes and going fast. And at the end of the day, how much time are they really making up? You know, are they getting down there a minute before you, you know, 40 seconds before you? But they've made all these lane changes and they're driving fast and following close. And, you know, at the end of the day, your number is going to come up. And where are you? Right. People will hard break at different times for different reasons. And where are you at in that process? Are you following too close and you just happen to look to the right and now they're hard breaking and, you know, you don't have time to recover. So there's just so many different things going on around us. It's almost like you're just trying to be defensive and just stay out of trouble. Stay out of trouble. 
Well, you know, what you're describing, though, is like you said, that's not our minds. That's not how people drive. It is that hurry up and get there mentality. How do you change that? You don't. You know, you're not going to change what the others are going to do. What you have to do is understand why everybody else around you is driving so crazy. And, you know, the old saying, it is what it is. So what am I going to do to counteract that? The big thing here is don't hit what's in front of you and stay in your lane and understand what's going on, right? So, you know, there's really five things that are out there today that really contribute to everybody's craziness and all the craziness that's out on the roads. You know, the first thing really is highway design, you know, the interstate system. The interstate system in the United States, as we know it today, started sometime around the 50s. You know, it was during the Eisenhower administration when they really got all of the funding passed to you know, ultimately complete the interstate system as we know it today. I know Eisenhower was in the military as a young soldier, and I believe he was stationed in Germany. And, you know, he was impressed with the Audubon system in Germany and how they could move troops around the country really fast. And, you know, that was one of the things that went into the thought process of the interstate system here and, and getting some of the funding passed was being able to move the military, right? We get attacked down in South Texas and we've got troops on the East Coast and we really need to get them down there. We've got this interstate system to use. And, you know, today it's evolved into, you know, there's this enormous system of roads and highways and interstates. And, you know, when we look at a lot of the stuff that we drive on today, you know, it was developed many years ago. And when we look at, you know, how things were built back in the day, you know, the old saying, you know, man, they just don't build things like they used to, you know, and sometimes that's true for certain things, but they didn't have, you know, the architecture capability and the, you know, these cab computer-aided designs and, you know, engineering the way it is now. They didn't have access to all that back then. So some of the stuff they built, when we talk about roads and interstates, quite frankly, it don't make sense. You know, in Lafayette, Louisiana, Interstate 10, where it intersects with I-49, there's an old four-leaf clover, if you will, exit ramp and on-ramp system. You know, like if you were to look at it on Google Earth, it's a perfect four-leaf clover. And what's so crazy about it is you're going down the interstate at 70, 75 miles an hour. Some people are doing 80, 85, and you're wanting to merge off. So you merge off of the interstate at this intersection, and you've got about a football field and a half to merge off. Well, at the same time, the other side of the four-leaf clover, there's people that are merging onto the highway in the same football field and a half area that you have to merge off. Once you merge off, you've got this hairpin turn that in a pickup truck at like 35 miles an hour, you're you know pulling over to the left side of your seat. You make this hairpin turn and then you got to do the same thing again. But this time you've got a football field and a half to speed up and merge onto the interstate when other cars are trying to merge off onto the same thing. You know, this was something that was built back then. And, you know, you you wouldn't see anything built like that today. There's a lot of regular exit ramps off the interstate where, you know, you merge to the right to get off the interstate and, you know, you you travel a little distance and then there's a, a sharp curve to the right. You know, when you see exit ramps built today, designed and constructed today on the interstate system, you know, usually you merge off and, you know, you've got quite a ways where you travel straight before you got to, you know, go right or turn left or, you know, they just build things better today. The design is better. 
the speeds. You know, I'm 52 years old. I remember when I was a kid growing up in Louisiana, we used to make trips back and forth to Houston. And I remember when the speed limit was 55 miles an hour on the interstate system. You know, today it's 70 miles an hour. You know, in some parts of the country, it's 85 miles an hour. So the speed limit on the roads that we travel, much greater than the posted speed limit back in the day when a lot of these roads and interstates were being developed. The second thing that we have to take into consideration, you know, with all the things that are going on out there is the number of vehicles that are on the road today. You know, again, I'm 52. When I was a kid, my parents had one car. I think I was, you know, fifth, sixth grade when my parents had a second car. You know, today, you know, if there's a household with a couple and some kids, both couples, the man and the woman, they both have a vehicle. A lot of times they have a couple of teenage drivers. You know, you might have an average household that has three or four cars in the driveway today. You know, back in the day, there was a lot of single car households. Since 2012, I think there's 41 million more cars on the interstate system today than just going back to 2012. I think in 1990, we've got almost 100 million more cars on the highway today than back in 1990. Now, remember, we're driving and operating all of these vehicles on highways and roads that were built way back in the day. And some of their, you know, design and structure really doesn't make sense, you know, especially with the amount of vehicles that are on the roadway today. So many more cars. You know, the third thing that we have to look at, the speed of cars. You know, man, 20, 30 years ago, you know, you had to worry about red, black, and yellow. You know, those were the colors of sports cars. Because back in the day, cars that could really go fast were sports cars. And to have a sports car, there's not everybody had a sports car. You know, number one, you had to have a, a certain lifestyle, right? You can't have a family of four with a two-seat sports car. If it was a secondary car, you know, you'd have to have some discretionary income there, you know, to have that side sports car that, you, you know, drive around on the weekends. And those were the cars that were really fast. They really had pickup. You know, you get in a car 20, 30 years ago and, you know, get it up to 70 miles an hour on the interstate, you know, that car starts shaking. You know, the steering wheel is a little loose. It's kind of uncomfortable, man. I'm not driving this thing at 70. I'm going to slow down a little bit. This thing's shaking and rattling. Today, you know, you go to a car lot and buy the cheapest car on the lot and get it up to 70 miles an hour on the interstate and then punch the gas. That car is going to do 71, 72, 73, 74. Everybody has pickup now. Everybody has speed. All of the cars today, they're all so much faster and have so much more pickup than they did in years past. And, you know, when you're talking about changing lanes, especially if somebody's changing lane in an 18-wheeler, you know, you look in your lane, it's not sports cars you got to worry about anymore. It's everybody. You start making your lane change and, you know, that car is doing 90. You know, you thought they were doing 70, but they're doing 90 and they're coming up on you a lot quicker than you originally thought. And that's how you have a lot of these lane change accidents. Electric cars, you know, we're starting to see more and more electric cars and electric cars, for the most part, they're quicker than gasoline cars. From zero to 60, most electric cars are much quicker and much faster and have much greater acceleration. That's going to make things even worse as we see more and more electric cars that are going to be, you know, on the roadway here in the near future. You know, the fourth thing that has changed 
so dramatically is the speed difference in the right lane and the left lane on our interstate system. We've basically kicked the speed limit doer off of the highway. So I don't know, about 15 years ago when gas prices were $5 a gallon, you had a lot of commercial trucking companies that govern the speeds of their trucks. You know, a lot of people think it was for safety, but quite frankly, I think it was to save on fuel costs, right? You turn down the speed capability of a fleet of just 118 wheelers, and you're talking about several hundred thousand dollars in fuel savings a year. A lot of these trucks that are on the interstate today, majority of them, they're, they're governed, right? And when you go down the interstate, I mean, let's take I-10, for example, say the speed limit is 70 miles an hour in the area of I-10 that we're on. If you're in the right lane, you're going to come up to a tractor trailer, an 18-wheeler that's doing 65 or 68 miles an hour, and you're doing 70. So what do you do? You know, human nature, we want to go, 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 right? So we get in the left lane to pass them up. Well, you get in the left lane, assuming it's a two-lane highway, you get in the left lane on the interstate and you do 70 miles an hour, you're going to get obliterated. You get run over, right? Absolutely. You get in the left lane and do 75 miles an hour, you're going to get run over. The left lane is an 80 to 85 mile an hour lane. It simply is. And when we, when we compare that speed difference to the right lane, which it's 65, 68 miles an hour because we have so many trucks on the interstate system that are governed at 65, 68 miles an hour, and they're camped out on the right lane, we have so many more lane changes that are taking place today. You know, again, we've kicked the speed limit doer off of the road. There's no, you can't do 70 miles an hour anywhere on the interstate and be safe. You know, it better be early on a Sunday morning because once everybody gets on the road, you know, it's all bets are off. You know, it's NASCAR out there. So, you know, the speed difference is just to me, it's very unsafe, right? 65 in the right lane and we got 80 to 85 in the left lane. It's a 20 mile an hour difference. The last one, you know, number five is distractions. And, you know, when we talk about distractions and we talk about driving, it's the good old fashioned cell phone, right? Oh, they're on the cell phone or they're texting. Well, there's so many more distractions that are out there today with drivers. It's social media, right? It's Facebook, it's TikTok, it's Instagram. People are on their phones, not just talking or texting anymore. They're checking emails, right? They're swiping through TikTok. They're looking on Facebook to see if, you know, the new selfie that they posted last night, they're trying to see how many more likes they got this morning while they're on their way to work. The other new thing is streaming. We had Louisiana State Police do a safety seminar here at American Eagle about two or three weeks ago. And one of the issues that is becoming more and more of a problem, especially with commercial drivers, is streaming. They've got Netflix going on on their cell phone and they're watching a movie or a series or they've got an iPad in the cab of the 18 wheeler or in the car and they're watching Netflix, they're watching Hulu, they're watching movies. And one of the things that was a little bit alarming during our visit with state police is the amount of accidents that are caused by this. But not only that, but the amount of times that the state and in some cases the feds are pressing criminal charges against drivers because they have the access to go into your phone. They have the access to go into your iPad and see what you were doing. If you're streaming Netflix while you're driving, 
you know, across town or you're driving out on vacation or you've got a long work trip, if you're on Netflix, they can find out. And if you get into an accident and it's your fault, it's kind of like being drunk. It's kind of like a DWI. They're going to find out that you were on Netflix and they're going to press criminal charges. And, you know, when they talked about that, I even asked them again. I said, was this happening a lot? And they said, yeah, you know, we're starting to press a lot more charges on folks because they're, you know, watching movies, you know, while they're driving. And people don't realize that. You don't realize it until it happens, right? You know, like those couple of drinks before that big steak dinner. Man, I didn't realize I was 0.09, you know, 0.08 is a DWI. You were 0.09 and the bachelor party guy fell in front of you, hit his head. There's a fatality. Now you're on the hook for a DWI and vehicle homicide. You know, a lot of times we wait until it happens or we wait until it happens to someone close to us. And that's when we get the upset stomach. That's when we get the butterflies, you know, don't learn from uh, your mistakes, learn from other people's mistakes, you know, distractions. Again, I remember when I was a kid and we'd go on a trip on the highway and you wanted something to eat. If you wanted to eat something on a road trip 30, 40 years ago, you brought food, right? And today, well, going back then, you brought food. If you want something to eat, you know, and you come up to an exit, you would literally like, Man, is there any place to get something to eat at this exit? Is there anything? Is no. And you come up to another exit, you know, hey, is there anything, anything at this exit? Is no. And then finally you come up to an exit and there's a mom and pop truck stop. So, you know, your parents would take the exit and you pull off, finally get to get something to eat. And you go into this convenience store, um, or little truck stop back in the day, and you know, you swing open the door and the, you know, the little bell on the door rings, you know, ding 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 ding. You walk on into the store looking for something to eat. You go to the potato chip aisle. You know, there was like four types of potato chips back then. Today, you go to a convenience <laughs> store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You go to a basic convenience store and there's a hundred flavors of potato chips. There's hummus dip and pretzels. You know, there's 44 ounce styrofoam made Chinese cups. You know, you're walking out with a 44 ounce drink trying to fit it into your cup holder, right? Because it doesn't exactly fit. And now you're out on the road with this 44-ounce styrofoam cup loaded with Coca-Cola or whatever it is you're drinking that won't fit in your cup holder. You've got nachos that you're eating that you got from the convenience store. You look at every exit on the interstate system today, they are loaded with convenience stores and gas stations. There's fast food restaurants. Fast food, yeah. yeah. It used to not be like that. And, you know, it's not just a restaurant. It's also distractions because people are getting food. We're on the go. We're in this mass communication, go, go, go society today. We need the answer right away. We need to call people right away. We need an email. And we're eating on the road. You know, you ever heard of Bucky's? You know, the convenience store in Texas and Louisiana? You know, it's almost like a vacation destination for a lot of people to go to Bucky's. And you go inside Bucky's, man, it's nothing but distractions. You know, people go in there and just stop by and they walk out of there with fifty to a hundred dollars worth of snacks. And what are they doing? Getting out on the road and, you know, eating their Bucky's snacks, their dried fruit or their uh, Bucky's cookies or what have you. And they're on Facebook. They're returning some emails. So we have to understand that all this is going on. You know, we have to understand how our life can change when we get behind the wheel. 
we have to understand, you know, the responsibilities we have as far as, you know, if there's alcohol involved or drugs or even just being fatigued. If we're watching movies or we're on social media, that stuff doesn't go away. There's always going to be a record of it. And there's always going to be a record that uh, law enforcement or prosecuting attorneys can pull. We have to understand we're driving on this old system of roads and highways that was, you know, built back in the day with poor design, 55 mile an hour speed limit. You know, the number of vehicles on the road today is enormous compared to just, you know, 20, 10 years ago, 22 years ago. Cars are faster and they're only getting faster. You know, the speed difference on the interstate system, the right lane versus the left, left lane with all the tractor trailers that the speeds turned down. And, you know, then you got all the different distractions that are offered up for drivers today from that 44 ounce Chinese made styrofoam cup that barely fits in your cup holder that you're really worried about to the Facebook posts where you're, man, how many likes did I get? Right. I'm going to finish that Netflix series when I fell asleep last night, man, I'm going to finish episode six on my way to Texas or Oklahoma. And through it all, again, the ultimate goal, the ultimate game is to get from A to B and not touch anything. And it's two simple things. Don't hit what's in front of you and stay in your lane, you know? But the simplicity of that is, is we're much too complacent and just not as aware as we should be. Absolutely. We've got our mind. How do you get your guys to do that? You know, it's interesting. The biggest way to teach people, I think, is when you let them know and you educate them on what can happen. If you're on your phone, you're watching a movie, you're distracted, you're on Facebook, what are the ramifications of that? Because until it hits close to home, People don't don't care, right? That's never happened to me. I don't know anybody that the state pressed charges against because they were on Facebook while they were driving. It's educating people on the bad things, you know, going to the grocery store and my wife's killed and my kids are paralyzed because I wasn't paying as much attention as I should be. When we get behind the wheel, it's kind of like being a fighter pilot flying into, you know, a war zone. You can die at any second. You can hurt others at any second. And you can kill people around you at any second. And it's making sure people understand the ramifications for their actions, you know? I think that's exactly right. And I guess it's like other things. Well, again, I use the word complacent. I don't know what other word to use, but somehow or another, we've got to get people out of that complacency zone. Absolutely. Like we said earlier, people get in their vehicle and they treat it like they're sitting on the couch with the remote control and some snacks and a drink, you know? And sometimes that drink is whiskey and beer, even in the car, you know? Hey, you're sitting at a stoplight. You picked up a six-pack after work. You know, you drank a couple of them on the way home. Well, then you get (laughs) rear-ended. Now what, right? You were driving safe. You were doing good stuff, but you've been drinking. You had a couple of beers, and now you've got to deal with this person that rear-ended you. Now you got to get out of your car and, oh, here's the police. The police are here. You know, you're chewing as much gum as you can. And, you <laughs> you know, you, it's somebody else hit you. It was just bad luck, if you will. But you've put yourself in that situation. And now what? You know? Yeah. Well, 
I really like how you boil it down to those two simple things. Don't hit what's in front of you and stay in your lane and understand that driving all these erratic ways and those sort of things, they really don't get you there that much faster, if at all. No, they really don't. They really don't. You know, it's funny, you know, you're going down the interstate and, you know, somebody passes you up. You know, it frustrates truck drivers a lot of times, especially truck drivers that are governed. You know, somebody passes them up doing five miles an hour and they're doing five miles an hour faster and they pass you up and they, they get on down there. and Yeah, they're making ground on you, but then they get to the exit, right? The same exit that you're coming up to. And they take the exit. And as soon as they hit the exit, they're starting to slow down. Well, as soon as they start slowing down, now you start catching up to them. And then they slow down and slow down and slow down. And then they come to a stop sign or a red light, which usually that's what you come to after, eventually after you get off of an exit. And now they're at a red light. Well, you're catching up, you're catching up, you're catching up. And now you're on the exit ramp and you're, you know, quarter of a mile from the red light or a couple hundred yards from the red light and they're just taking their left turn, you know, and they really haven't made up any ground on you, but they've changed lanes a few times and they've risked, you know, getting a speeding ticket if they were speeding. And again, it boils down to, again, frequency as well. Less times you change lanes, it's simple. The less times you're possibly going to hit somebody that has snuck into your blind side, you know? Yeah. And that's where a lot of accidents happen. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, people, again, this is one thing I do stress all the time and it drives me bananas. It's following distance, following distance, following distance, because people are following too close and people are heartbreaking for whatever. No good reason. A squirrel's running across the road. And they slam on their brakes. There's the store in the shopping center that we've been looking for and they slam on their brakes to turn in. And they can't turn into the shopping center because there's a car coming out of the shopping center that's kind of taking up both lanes. So the car that's in front of you that's trying to turn into that driveway can't turn all the way in. So they have to stop. And now where are you at in the process? Are you following too close? Yeah. So now you got to change lanes really quick so you don't hit that car in front of you that's stopped midway through their right turn. And all you can do at that point is hope there's nothing to your left side. It's, again... Don't hit what's in front of you. It's so simple. It really is. Well, Kevin, I really appreciate you giving us all this food for thought. You know, when we talk about coming home safe, being safe on the road, being safe in our vehicles, that really is a big part of it. I hope everyone out there takes this to heart. Again, Kevin, thanks for coming on the show and discussing this again as we said at the beginning thanks to all of you for listening please tell your friends to listen post us on linkedin and your other social media as we said please leave us a review on itunes or spotify or that review link in the show notes and please tune in again next week for another episode of knowledge vines oil and gas hsc podcast production of the oil and gas global network Remember that KnowledgeVine is your dependable partner for full-service human performance and safety consulting, KnowledgeVine error reduction at works. Discover more about KnowledgeVine by finding on the show notes our website link and other contact information. And you can always just simply reach out to me on LinkedIn. And we'll see you next time. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.